And with that, the football season's over. I I have lots of feelings on the Super Bowl. Yeah, the script it was it have anything to do with the script. I just, man, I it I don't want to say it's scripted, okay? Because I I'm not as paranoid as some people out there who think that the NFL is going into great lengths to only have certain people win. Like I, I'm not buying that. Yeah. But man, oh man, like you can go back first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, man, those officials were letting them play. And then you get a ball that lands 10, 15 yards past the guy. And we call like, was it holding I, yeah, letter of the law, sure, but to legit let a game be decided on that was that tough. Sucks. It sucks. And, and like, it just, I don't know, just sat with me wrong with the, that that's how that game ended. Uh, fantastic game. Yeah, around. oh, 100%. And, and listen, like, all right, if we're going to dive into this, let's dive into this. The Eagles offense in the second half was nowhere, bro. Like, it was just absolutely nowhere. Like, they moved the ball however they wanted to in the first half, however they wanted to, wherever they wanted to. Then all of a sudden in the second half, it it was like, well, well, what happened? Yeah, well, and Jalen Hurts really took the game into his own hands. Um, Yeah. Scoring three touchdowns. Um, He threw a dot to A.J. Brown there. I mean, this – Eagles team had everything in front of them, but I feel in the second half defensively that the, the side of the ball that got you to the Super Bowl just crumbled, just choked in my opinion. Yep. Um, you had two goal line stands on third down that if you hold them to field goals, this is a completely different game. Kansas city put somebody in motion and just goes back on the same side that they came from. And literally not a single defender on that side of the field is how they scored their last two touchdowns. Yeah, and that that to me, th- just the complete breakdown of that Eagles secondary on those play. I They lost coverage completely. Now, here's the thing. If I would have told you before the game, hey, Patrick Mahomes is only going to throw for 182 yards – and the Chiefs aren't going to have a, you know, Pacheco is going to run for 75, but Jerick McKinnon is going to be a non-factor. If I were to just line these stats up for you, Eagles win the football game. Yeah. I, yeah. And honestly, the part that bothers me is the fact that I had to watch Matt Nagy celebrate. That just <laughs> angers me to no end. Um, but I give credit to Kansas City. They played hard in the second half. Offense made plays when they needed to. Mahomes playing on basically one leg in, in general. Um, got the Aaron Rodgers shot at halftime. Got rejuvenated, ready to go. And um, just very disappointing way to end with the holding call. Um but man, that halftime show though, 
Yeah, Rihanna was fantastic. Yeah. And maybe the only other performance that might have been better than Rihanna was that Chiefs offensive line. And we talked about in our show yeah. before that a huge matchup was going to be, hey, how does the Kansas City offensive line match up against those Eagles front seven? And here's the thing, as the shirt said, zero sacks. And not only that, they ran the football, man. Yep. Pacheco had a very good game. 76 yards for Pacheco, 44 for Mahomes, 34 for McKinnon. Like, they were able to run the football. They were able to really, besides that one time that Patrick got hit, they really protected him well. They answered the bell. And I don't know if it was a case of schemes or if it was just, hey, the Chiefs' offensive line was just that good. Yeah. And, again, they – they were able to control the line of scrimmage. They were they commanded that football game there in the second half specifically, um, and that was the keys to the game. Who was going to win the line of scrimmage? Was it going to be that Eagles vaunted defensive line? Um, and I they just didn't get home. They didn't get a lot of pressure on Mahomes, uh, especially after you hit him like that in the first half, and you see how hobbled he is. You want to be able to blitz him and get him in situations that makes his ankle feel uncomfortable. And Eagles really never did that. Um, Again, it's just very disappointing as, you know, we were, we were with an Eagle guy. We were. You know, you could see the pain. It's, it's, it it can't be easy. Now, do I know what that feeling is like? Yeah. Um, But I was young. I was 2006. It was a long time ago. Um, probably took it a lot easier then than I would have now. Um, but if the Bears ever play a Super Bowl, I'm not watching it with you. I don't think I'll be able to host a Super Bowl party. There's no chance. Like zero, negative fifty. <laughs> no, nobody will be within. I don't think Chris will even be here. No, I think you would have to be by yourself. I I think I might have to be in one of those like rooms that are padded. Yeah, um, we could not have anything that's breakable with you. No, no, no chance. Um, um, but again, good game. We kind of really predicted how it was going to pan out. Um, just you had thought the Eagles were going to win the football game, but they just ran out of gas there in the second half. Yeah, and I think ran the topic of running is interesting. The second that they didn't have a lot of success running the foot, it seemed like they were very quick to abandon the run to uh, me. I, I just think Miles Sanders has to be one of the most frustrated running backs in the history of the NFL because the guy has the potential to be great. I just don't feel like he gets an opportunity. Yeah, well, I mean, you look, Kenneth Gainwell and Miles Sanders combined had fewer carries than Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Like, I – in this NFL that we are in, I just don't think that that's a recipe for success. No, it's not. And I, if if you're going to have a running quarterback, okay, like let, let's think, okay, if we're going to go Jalen Hurts in this situation, you have to protect them. You have Miles Sanders in the backfield. Right. And they just seemed like, hey, we're just going to go shotgun all the time. And if Jalen can run and make a play, Jalen can run. There was no real threat 
of Miles Sanders or Kenneth Gainwell really at all throughout the whole game, even when they got down goal line. Now, listen, when you can sneak the ball for four yards every single time, that right. makes sense. Right. Like It does really matter. But when you're getting into like the second and seven, second and six, bro, run your running backs. And they just really seem to abandon that run game. And it cost them. I, they had no clock management or time management at all in the second half. And, you know, we said, what's going to be the key? Keep Patrick Mahomes off the field. What did they do in the first half? They yep, kept Patrick Mahomes off the field. You look. Okay, so back-to-back quick scores by both teams. Then Eagles go three and out. Then you have uh, the Harrison Butker miss kick. At that point, I'm like, wait, listen, if he's missing kicks. Right, this is going to be a completely different game. And then Eagles go five plays, 68 yards, touchdown. Three and out, punt for Kansas City. Then the Eagles fumble the football. So really, if you look at this, in the first half, Kansas City's offense only scored seven points. Right. And then, again, they just – really where I think the game turned – Kansas City gets the ball, goes down on a 10 plays, 75-yard drive, touchdown. The Eagles' next drive, 17 plays, 60 yards, and you only get three. It was kind of at that point that you're like, ah, that felt like a point where the difference between being up six and the difference being up 10, um, that was really the turning point there. Kansas City comes down next drive, touchdown, three and out punt for the Eagles. Next thing you know, it's 35-27, Kansas City, um, and the Eagles never led again. Um, I I think, too, we talked about winning the turnover battle, that um, fumble return for a touchdown that Kansas City had, too, kept them in this game. I think, you know, Eagles are looking at 14-7, they're up, with the football and a chance to extend that lead and you give up that fumble for a touchdown. Um, You go down, make that game 21 seven. It's a different. That's yeah. That's tough. To me, I think that too was a huge turning point in the game. Uh, Eagles had a chance to put it away, not put it away, but make it a little bit more comfortable. And 21 seven. And the Chiefs' offense was nowhere at that point. I mean, they the Eagles' defense was flying around the football. Um, I, I completely agree. I mean, if you hold on to the football there, who at even 17-7 at that point, making it that two-possession game, essentially saying, hey, you're either going to go down and score or we're going to go down and score. But, again, hold on to that ball, Petey. Hold yep. on to that ball. Yeah, I think that cost them, and the, the, there's no doubt. Um, I, I I think that wraps up football, man. Like I really do. I yeah. I'm I, until the off season when we actually get some answers to these huge questions that are obviously I, weighing heavy. I think before we end football, Josh, what is your top off season storyline that you're looking for? Vegas or the Jets. Where's, where's Rodgers going? Where Rodgers go? I think 
probably down to those two. He's not going to be back in a Packer uniform. Um, we have seen the last of Aaron Rodgers in a Packer uniform. Period. It's done. Is he is he out of his four day hiatus? Yeah, I don't I don't know if he's gone in yet. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I I don't know if he has descended we were, into thought, darkness. I thought he said that after the Super Bowl is when we were going to get some I, answer. I fine, great, whenever. Um, yeah. but I I really for me it's okay. Where does he go and for what price? I, yeah. I think that and man, I I think that's the biggest offseason story in the NFL right now. I mean the three who else? Who else? What are the Bears gonna do with that first pick? Okay, so you have the first pick in the draft, fine. But oh but you're talking about a three time MVP, or is he four-time, or is he five-time? However many-time MVP, Super Bowl champion, surefire first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback that's going to be traded. Of, I'm I'm not saying that, that the Bears have it. I'm just saying what I'm excited for. Well, but- correct, what you're excited for. But I think if you're looking big-picture NFL, Aaron Rodgers moving changes the landscape of the NFL. And I think it's not just – Aaron Rodgers too. There's a lot of quarterbacks that are going to have moving parts this offseason. You're going to have Where Derek does Derek Carr. Carr go? You got Derek Carr, you got Aaron Rodgers, you got possibly if the if the um Jets sign Aaron Rodgers, does Zach Wilson move? Does what does Matt Ryan do? What does Carson Wentz do? What does uh, like there's a lot of older like the like if Matt Ryan it's does he retire does he come back does he try to find somewhere to go, um, you know I just I think we've always lot. talked about that there are tiers of NFL quarterbacks and, oh, and okay we're, so we're, Tom Brady's done Aaron Rodgers is gonna move okay yeah. and I think so you probably throw. I'm not ready to throw Jalen Hurts in that top tier yet. He had a great year this year, taking nothing away from him. But you got to do it for multiple, multiple years at a time. Well, and another guy we're forgetting about is Lamar Jackson. Where does he go? Yeah, huge contract issues in in Baltimore. Does he come back? Does he move? Um, I mean – Is this the most question marks with the quarterback position – I, I, I don't want to say ever. I mean, ever is a really long time when you're talking about the NFL. But in my recent memory that I can recall, I have never had this many question marks when it comes to the quarterback position in the NFL. Well, and I think it's not only just that. It's also like the ability for these to move, these pieces to move. Um, in an in a imaginary world where everything is stupid, there's a chance that Justin – Fields gets moved and just nope. saying that makes my stomach turn but I've seen the Bears fumble this before that would be a surefire way to fumble it again hey congrats on the real estate acquisition by the way Bears officially purchased Arlington oh, Heights I th- I thought you were saying for me I was like what I buy a new house and didn't even know it <laughs> All right, I'm I'm good. I moved once. I'm moving again. Yeah, yeah. Never want to move again. Ever. It is the worst. Period. Period. Um, But but yeah, I think that that is a huge, you know, a huge news snippet that didn't really get 
like blown out of proportion. But man, if they can build that stadium in Arlington, it's just going to attract more people to the Bears. Mm -hmm. uh, it's going to attract the opportunity to host all these different events. Uh, it's going to bring money to the Chicago Bears. I, it's just to me, it makes too much sense. Um, but again, the Bears are the Bears. They could screw this up. They could. Um, and obviously, if in the course of our college basketball over the next month and a half, big NFL news pops in, we're, yeah. we'll talk about it. We'll talk yeah. about it. We're going to do a draft preview show this year, something we didn't do last year. We're going to have a draft preview show. Who knows? I, if possible, we might get together if you're not on a baseball field and watch the draft together. I, who knows yeah, how this I whole thing like plays out. Um, but as Pumba so eloquently put, you got to put you behind in the past. Football is the past. <laughs> It is, it, it is, as Rafiki so eloquently says. I think we're running out of Lion King references. It is time. Oh, no, I'm full of them. I'll, I'll go all day with that. I thought the Lion you were going to say, as Rafiki once said, I think a lot of squash bananas. Nah, that's, nah, we'll get to what sounds like that. But I, okay. college basketball, buddy, like uh, you and I have already been to two games this year. Um, College basketball games, both at Mackey. Um, a little bit of an edge to the college basketball talk tonight uh, after a third frustrating loss in four games for the Boilers. And, and again, like, I'm in a weird position because, like, first and foremost, I am a Kentucky fan. Like, I, that's, I was born, bred, and big blue fed. Like, I am a Kentucky fan. Um, but I'm also, like, I think almost by osmosis, by being around so many Purdue fans, um, I've developed a love for the Boilers. I mean, I really, I enjoy watching them. So it, it's an interesting sort of dichotomy when we're talking college basketball. Um but, but I think when you look, so just a general landscape, because a lot of people don't start paying attention to college basketball until after the Super Bowl. So a little, yeah, and you and I just are, we're kind of doing both. We're, we, yeah. If we just do them, we, we dabble. You're right. Maybe more than dabble. Oh, yeah, we're, we're, <laughs> this is our, this is what we live for, you and I. Yeah, the football season to roll right into college basketball season. Um, yeah, it's just a fantastic time of year. Um, and now you're getting down to the nitty gritty. Um, yeah, I mean, it's crazy to think like Purdue's got four games left in the regular right. season. It's, it's crazy to think, but I and I think one thing my principal was joking with me. Um, he asked me the other day, he goes, okay, so what percentage of your life is currently consumed by college basketball? So, like, when you are not at work, how much of your life is college basketball? That It's an unhealthy percentage. I, I love – first off, not a big NBA guy. 
I'm sorry. Yeah, correct. Uh, yeah. And here's the thing. Like, I'm actually – and I don't think I told you. I'm going to a Bulls game. Oh, I, I um, never told you. Yeah, I never told you. So, March 5th, Sunday, uh, Bulls Pacers. Um, my father-in-law and I were talking. He's like, I haven't been to a Bulls game in eons. And I'm like, let's go. Like, he's not a huge sports guy. But I'm like, let's go. Why not? Let, let's go to a Bulls game. Uh, they're terrible. Yeah, I, they they've are. blown so many 20-point leads that I've lost track. Um, but, but when it comes down to it, I caught myself two nights ago. And, like, I look at my phone. It's 11.15, and I'm watching some West Coast game. And I'm like, bro, I don't – but I was so into the game. I'm like, what am I doing with my life? I And I think – to like college basketball, there's just there's so many things about it that you love. You love the Cinderellas. You love the underdogs. You love, you know, when your team's doing well. Um, you love the conference races. You love the conference tournaments. Um, there's just so many things about college basketball to fall in love with, right? Yeah, let's do a little little eyebrow waggle for the college basketball conference tournaments because I'm so we, excited for that bro i'm so yeah. excited yeah we are going so, to be- we're going to big 10 tournament um th- this will be our second time doing this uh bull sessions on friday um i just love it I, yeah i you know i think i think that's just the best way is like we're, we're just we're junkies and I think it's, it's everything. It's the teams. It's seeing four four games, eight teams. It's the bands. It's the fans. It's just it's seeing if Crystal can yell green at the right time. Right. My wife is awful at timing Michigan State's fight song. Um, she, she can never get the green part. Um, but lately, her her thing has been whistling the Michigan fight song, which I don't know. I think it came from college football one day. She was watching Michigan. And, like, I'm not even exaggerating to the fact where, like, she'll be in the kitchen and I'll be laying on the couch and I'll hear. <laughs> and I'm like, why? Why? And she's like, I don't know. It just stuck in my head. Yeah. But and I think, I, it I came, think really it probably came from the Big Ten tournament years ago. Yeah. Because that's one of the fun parts about it. Yeah, it is. And. <sighs> I think the environments, I think the – and I'm, it's not always about the quality of basketball either. Like, yeah, I mean, are they the best? No, they're not the best. They're college kids, man. But it, it's just the, the passion, the pageantry, everything else that goes with it uh, is yeah. undefeated. So we're going to do a little crash course. Um, and, and so to give people a little timeline, so what, what's going to happen on Saturday is – uh, the selection committee is going to come out with their top 16 teams. Um, and that's kind of like, okay, so if today were selection Sunday, here's where the top 16 would be. It gives everyone an idea of where they stand. Um, so then two weeks from now, um, we're going to do a little bubble talk. Two yeah, weeks from now, we're going to really break down, you know, the bubble, bubble, who's on the bubble. Um, three weeks from now. The annual decade-long podcast where we break down every 
single Division One men's basketball conference tournament. That's is that was like the first podcast we ever did. We ever did. Yeah, we ever did. Um, so that that gives you a little timeline for the show. It gives you I, really for the landscape of college basketball. Um, and if you look at the landscape of college basketball, uh, the Big Twelve brother is yeah. just an absolute murderer's row. Yeah, you got year. six of the six of the top twenty two teams reside in the Big Twelve. You got three Kansas, of the top ten. Right. You got Kansas five, Texas six, Baylor nine. You got Kansas and Baylor playing each other. What this weekend? Yep. Um, you got uh, Iowa State, Kansas State, TCU. Um, but really, you know, Oklahoma surprised some people this year. And well, Oklahoma some- beat Alabama by thirty. Right. So that's what I mean. They're, like this conference is top to bottom the best conference in college basketball, and it's a, a conference that a lot of the times. I, I've seen this happen so often is when there's so many good teams in one conference, you're probably not going to get a team into that number one seed line based on the fact that you're going to beat some people up. Uh, you're going to beat each other up. Uh, the only one I could see being on that one seed line possibly come March is Kansas. Um, yeah. I think Kansas has a really good opportunity to be on that one seed line. However, Big game for them uh, against Baylor this weekend. Uh, that's, I mean, I, how is that not a Saturday night game? That's Saturday clock at three o'clock. I, yeah. I feel like that Saturday night. But Kansas has their next two games are against top twenty-five opponents. You got top ten opponent in Baylor. You turn around and play TCU at TCU. Um, so again. You know, they're going to release these top 16 teams, right? But a lot is going to change not only in the next three weeks before Selection Sunday, but the next three days a lot is going to change. Um, So, but again, Big 12 by far and beyond the best team in or the best conference in college basketball. It's not even close. I, I want to push back a little bit on what you said that the only team you can see getting into that one line is Kansas. I want to bring your attention to the Texas Longhorns. Grant, they've lost two out of their last four, um, but I it, currently they're the number six team in the country. Okay, currently ranked number six. Their last five, so they have Oklahoma. Okay, fine, at home. Number 19, ranked Iowa State. Number nine, Baylor. Number 22, TCU. Number five, Kansas. Yeah, Listen that is to a me. gauntlet. Listen to me. Gauntlet. If they win those last five. Oh, they'll be on the one. Number one. Number yeah. one. Everything is in front of them. Now, do I necessarily think they can go to Baylor and to TCU and win both those games? I don't know. Are they that good? I Listen, they might be. I'm going to tell you right now, one of the things that these selection committees look at are those bad losses, right? And and a loss that is going to loom large for them was against Texas Tech, the last place team in the Big 12 
you lose to them by seven. To me, that looms large. That is a painful loss for Texas. Yeah, um, Monday was not good for them, and I get no. that. However, if you're telling me that – so that would have been two wins over Baylor. They would have split with Kansas State. They would have split with Kansas. I I just have a hard time. If you're going to roll off four top 25 wins in a row, I think at that point that would have at least put them in second place in the Big 12, worst-case scenario. Um, yeah, and Marcus Carr, guy from the Big 10 from Minnesota, transferred to Texas, their leading scorer right now, averaging 17 and four assists a game. Um, man, good, good for him to get out of Minnesota. Minnesota is atrocious. That, they're they're bad. They're horrible. They're they're, um, they're they're school. Oh wait, wrong sport. But yeah, they're bad. but they're trash no matter what. And, and I think what's what's also interesting is that if you turn around and you look at okay traditional power conferences in college basketball this year, ACC, I it's just not good. Man, right. Man. But but here here's also the thing about the ACC though. This is what this conference does, though. Like, they underperform in the regular season, and then somehow, some way, like the fifth-best team is going to find some way to make it to the Elite Eight or Final Four. But what's crazy to look at this conference in the ACC, Josh, they have a top-10 team in Virginia. They have Miami, top-15 team. They have a, a NC State, top-25 team. Clemson, who's playing well as of late. But the team leading this conference right now is Pitt. And, and that, if you okay. ask, yes, if you, no. ask, if you ask somebody on the side of the street right now who's leading the ACC, they're going to say Virginia. They're going to say Miami. They're going to say possibly even Clemson. They're not going to tell you about the Pittsburgh Panthers right now. No way. Okay, but again, you talk about how deep how competitive this conference is. So, yes, ACC tough. Now, I think it's only right, Josh, to go to your conference that you are well thought out on, which is the SEC. Would you say that the SEC is the second best conference in college basketball? I would say that the SEC, not, honestly, honestly, no, I wouldn't. Is it because me, of the, the mediocrity no. at the bottom in the middle? No. To me, the second best conference in America is the Big East. Oh, You have okay. 11, 16, 18, 20, 24. Right. Yes. Okay. Okay. And now, he, here's the interesting part, though, that I want to touch on about the SEC. They're in a very similar position to the ACC. And, but instead of the first place team, it's the second place team. So the second place team, Texas A&M, they're 11 and 2, 19 and 7 overall. They have wins already this year. They've swept Arkan or they've they've beaten Arkansas. I their only conference losses are Arkansas and Kentucky. Now, here's the problem. They haven't played Alabama and they haven't played Tennessee. Right, which they that, play that's, Alabama. That's that's a problem. They play Alabama the last Saturday of the year, and they got Tennessee on Tuesday. Right. Both of those, however, are in College Station. Right. So that is that bodes well for Texas A&M. So, how are they not ranked? Like, 
And this is the other thing that you look at then is okay. Obviously then whoever's ranking these teams, they don't feel very highly about the strength of the ACC or the strength of the SEC. Because if you have teams with two losses in these conferences and you're not wanting to rank them in the top 25, what does that say about your opinion of that conference? So uh, according to AP poll right now, Texas A&M would be the 32nd ranked team in the country with 18 AP votes, which, I mean, they're right there. They're right outside of the top 25. Um, so they, again, I guess where my frustration then comes in. So Texas A&M is 19 and seven, 11 and two in the SEC. Okay. Flipping before that Tennessee went over Alabama last night. Who had Tennessee beaten this year? They beat Kansas. Other than that, dude, they hadn't beaten anyone. They beaten Kansas, they beaten Texas. They're, yeah. They were living on those two wins. They yeah. had losses to Florida, 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 Vandy, Missouri, and Kentucky. And what's crazy is another top 15 win for Tennessee was Maryland. Yeah. Maryland was ranked 13 in the country on December 11th. So now I look back on that. I feel a little better about this Purdue loss. About what happened today. Yeah. Like, and I just think it's interesting to me. So you have Pitt, who's not ranked at all. You have Texas A&M, who's not ranked at all. And they're both in Pitt's in first place in their conference. Texas A&M is in second place. I like what? It's just weird. Like the whole vibe for these ranking systems is weird to me this year. And I think what we're going to see a lot of on Saturday is how much of the AP poll votes for the what the selection committee is looking at. And normally, based on previous track records, it is not close at all. Like the AP and what the bracketologists and the selection committee, what they see is completely different. I feel like AP looks at wins and losses, strictly wins and losses. And then the selection committee then looks at, you know, the SOS, the strength of schedule. They're looking at their quad one victories, which are against good opponents. You got what losses does this t team have? Are they all quad one losses? Do they have quad two, quad three, even quad four losses? And that can affect a team seeding throughout, you know, as the seeds mix up here in the last three weeks. So, you know, it, it's really interesting. To, I'm excited for Saturday just to see where teams are going to um, – where they're going to sit at. So that way next week we can look at those and kind of talk about them and see – what we agree upon, what we don't agree upon, and if we were right. Because we are going to predict our – Yeah, our we, we are going to give our top 16. Um, and, mate, you hit it right on the head. What is the selection committee going to care about this year? And, and because, honestly, it feels like it varies from year to year. Some years, head-to-head's really important. But then, like last year in the tournament, head-to-head -head meant nothing. When it came right. to seeding, uh, right. some years they really focus on those quad one wins. Right. Some years it's more your strength of schedule. It's it's going to be very interesting when the committee chair 
gets on CBS Saturday morning and tells us exactly what they're looking for. Yeah. And, and then it's all of a sudden now that those are things that we as fans have to look at, like, okay, when your teams win or your teams lose, then you can look at, okay, how much is that? How do we think that's going to affect our seed lining? Where, you know, is it a bad loss? Is it an okay loss to get? Um, and I feel like, you know, those are things that the selection committee are going to be discussing their Saturday morning when they reveal their top 16. But Josh, before we get into that, I think we got to talk about the changing of the guard in this college basketball season with these blue blood colleges, including one near and dear to your heart. That is, I mean, Josh, when you think Kentucky, when you think UNC, when you think Duke, you think teams that wake up the first Saturday of college basketball season and think, I'm in the tournament. It's just dependent on where I'm going to be at. And this might be the first year within recent memory that all three of those blue blood teams, Duke, UNC, Kentucky, are all technically some people don't believe like Duke's on the bubble. I believe Duke is on the bubble. They have not shown me enough to be safely in. UNC, not safely in. And Kentucky, they've gotten a couple good wins here down the stretch. But again, you got those bad losses, right? So Josh, of those three blue bloods trying not to go homer on us, which one of those three would you put in the tournament if the if it started today? I think it's Duke. Um, as much as that hurts me, and, and so just straight up, why it's not Kentucky? Number one, you only have two quad one wins. Um, there's Never. a chance it gets there's a chance it gets bumped up to three with the Texas A and M win. Um, it, it's you also look at so for Kentucky's loss, a home loss to South Carolina. Yeah, that is hurts. a is a atrocious loss. I yeah, they, probably a quad two loss. Ooh. Yeah. Um the yeah, loss for those, you, the, for those of you that don't have um didn't purchase the extra like vision. I think it I believe at the time it was quad four. And I, I'm that's what I mean. And it, it, to me. That is so unKentucky like to be in a conference season and lose like a quad four game like that. That would be equivalent for Big Ten followers. That'd be like Minnesota beating Purdue at Mackey. Like that's yeah. that hurts. So if you look at Kentucky right now, they're two and seven in quad ones, not good. Six and one in quad two, three and zero oh in quad threes, six and one in quad fours. You have a quad four loss. You just – that's not – you can't do that. Um, And then – so I look at Duke. They have three quad one wins, um, currently ranked 34th in the net. Give that – the net is the overall evaluation tool. Um, North Carolina is all the way down at 45. So you have North Carolina who's currently lower than Kentucky. Now, with that being said – I think Kentucky, everything is in front of them. They have a chance, a very real chance, for three quad one wins coming up here. Um, 
So if Kentucky can find a way to win four out of these last five, I think that squarely puts them in. Three and two, I think you're still on that bubble with some work to do in the conference tournament. But here's the crazy thing for the Cats. Man, they are still tied for a first for a, one of those top four buys to Friday in the SEC tournament. Right. So then I, you look at, like, to me right now, Tennessee's season – or Tennessee – Kentucky season comes down to if you can pull off a win against Tennessee and not slip up against, you know, your Florida or, you know, even Arkansas right now is really struggling as of late. You don't slip up there to me. You're in regardless of the conference tournament. You beat Tennessee. Yours a very good chance that you're going to be in the NCAA tournament. That and the Florida game just got a little easier with Colin Castleton going out yesterday with a broken hand. So that so he's done for a while. So that that helps um, with that one. But again, I, here's the thing, man. Like you got to win games. Like you have to win quad one games. And I have shared with you. I I am very very tired of the John Calipari current state of Kentucky basketball. Um, you know, you really you look at this. Kentucky team, man, you have one win against Tennessee. Other than that, I just they, they haven't beaten people that they need to beat. Right. There's not a single game on there where you're like, yes, that's a game that we shouldn't have won that we won, or you know, one of those elite level matchups like, yeah, oh wow, Kentucky, Michigan State, Kentucky, Gonzaga. You got beat in both of those. Kentucky, right. Kansas, you got beat at home in that one. So th- yeah. that's why I would tend to put Duke. Um, I also think the overall um, view of the ACC is a little bit stronger than the SEC. But again, I think until Kentucky can pull off either a second win against Tennessee or roll off four of these last five with wins at Florida and at Arkansas on top of Auburn and Vandy, unless you roll four out of these last five, I'm, I don't think that they've done enough to deserve to get in. Yeah, and then, you know, we also talk about, like, a Wisconsin on that Blue Blood talk. Yeah, Michigan. Right? I mean, Michigan has played in how many Final Fours in the last 10 years? Right, and they're sitting 14 and 12, um, middle of the pack of the Big Big Ten, not even middle of the pack. You're looking at it right now, nine seed in the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, so your bottom half. Right. And um, so if for a moment, Josh, before we hop into our top 16, looking at the Big Ten, looking at what it's become here, like we talk, if you would have talked to Josh and I about the Big Ten two weeks ago, we would have said it's over. The Big Ten race is over. Purdue won the Big Ten. Now, all of a sudden, Purdue drops three of its last four against Big Ten opponents. Northwestern beats Purdue, turn around, then beat IU. Now you have a chance of only having a one-game lead in the Big Ten if Northwestern can beat Iowa on Sunday. Huge matchups this weekend in the Big Ten. I'm just going to tell you right now, whoever has to be the the guy that does all the tie-breaking scenarios in the Big Ten for Big Ten 
seeding for the tournament, um, give that guy a raise because the whole conference, there's, you know, you got Purdue at 12 and four, then you have Northwestern at 10 and five, and then everybody else below that has six, seven, or eight losses, and then the bottom four are nine, 10, 11, and 12. Um, but that middle pack of the Big Ten literally daily gets flip-flopped around. And Josh sends me, because when we bought these Big Ten tickets, um, Josh sent me, like, the projected bracket of what the Big Ten tournament is like. Josh, has there been a day or two days that have gone by where everybody stayed in the exact same position? No, I think the only team that stayed in the same position on those brackets is Purdue and Minnesota. Right. It's the top and the bottom. So I think those are the only two. So – a lot of moving pieces in the Big Ten. Now we go and talk about, Josh, the strength or weaknesses of the Big Ten. Everybody talks about the Big Ten choking in March. Big Ten teams have not vote, played well in March. Is there a team in the Big Ten outside of Purdue that you think can make a run in March? Define run. Sweet 16. Absolutely. I think – so right now I'm looking at three. Oh, you're saying besides Purdue? Well, let's we'll include Purdue in there. Okay, I, I got three. Okay. So who who are your three? Purdue, Northwestern, and IU. My three are going to surprise you. My three are Purdue, IU, and Rutgers. Rutgers, man, I there's just something about this team that scare. Like, I feel like Northwestern is a great story. Um, I think they're great. I think they're good. Um, but I just, I hate Rutgers, man. I hate them. They're good. They're solid team. I see Rutgers making a run of the three Big Ten teams. Obviously, my beliefs, and I don't think they're even biased. I think Purdue has the b- best chance to make a run out of the Big Ten. Uh, but second would be IU. I think IU, um, if they can get their guard play to get up a little better, I think uh, Jalen Hood-Shafino is a great guard. Um, but outside of Hood-Shafino and then Trace Jackson-Davis, they're kind of like Purdue in the ways of you're looking for who those three, four, five guys are that are going to be your scores outside of your top two. Uh, you got Hood Shafino, you got Trace Jackson-Davis, and then it's like where are the points going to come from? Are they going to come from Galloway? Are they going to come from Miller Cop? Are they going to come from, you know, if you can get Xavier Johnson back, that he's supposed to be returning – from an injury here in a couple weeks, IU could be a tough team to beat in March, um, as much as it pains me to say that. Um, but Purdue, what's really worrying me as of late is this: where is the scoring going to come from if Zach Eady is not as dominant in these games? If you're going to double, triple team Zach Eady and Josh and I, you just we just talked about this before we came on the air, he's got to be able to get the ball out of his hands quick, make decisive deci- decisions quickly, to an open guy, and those guys have to start shooting the ball. we got to start having confidence. Like, I don't even care if Ethan Morton's taking shots. 
But we have to make the defense account for these guys. Otherwise, they're just going to continue to beat the crap out of Zach Edia on a nightly basis by sending double, triple teams at him and getting physical with him. Um, I'm, am I worried about Purdue? A little bit, just because of the track record of what happens to Purdue in March. Um, but do I think that they'll figure it out? Yes, I do. I think that they have the team, they have the talent um, to make a run in March. But it's hey, up to can them. I, can I say something right now? Yeah. I'm not told that Rutgers is even going to make the NCAA tournament. See, I think they will, Josh. I just – I like what Rutgers has done. They did have a bad loss this week. But as of right now, they're in the top 25 receiving votes. Um, so I I like them. That <laughs> right. and, and I understand that. Uh, I don't think they will be. Um, and and here, here's the thing. If you're Rutgers right now – you got to win basketball games. They've lost three in a row. They've lost four out of their last six and five out of their last eight. Like right. Rutgers was a team that three, four weeks ago, we're talking about as a top two or three seed in the Big Ten. Now you look at Rutgers, they're the eight. Right. And, and that's a pretty significant drop. And you still got to go to Wisconsin, who Wisconsin has everything to play for. Wisconsin's seven and eight right now in the Big Ten. They're seven and eight. Rutgers is eight and seven. So now all of a sudden, if you lose to Wisconsin, right now you're eight and eight. Now, now you got Michigan coming in, who's going to be desperate for a win. Like there's a world that when we come back next week that they possibly lost five straight games. And at that point they're out of the turn. Right. And, but here's what I'm, I'm predicting. They're going to win these next couple games. I think we are going to have a basic play in game for Rutgers. The last game of the season to get in the NCAA tournament at home against Northwestern. I think that is going to be play vote well. You get Minnesota yep. on the road the Thursday before that Sunday night game against Northwestern. I love the thought of that being a, a huge game in the Big Ten tournament uh, seedings as yep. well as at-large bids to get into the into March Madness. Well, and I think if you're Rutgers, these next two games are your season. Yeah, you got, these you got, these next two are your season. You have to beat Wisconsin and you have to beat Michigan because, man, if you're going in and you have four straight losses to Illinois, Nebraska, Wisconsin, and Michigan, that's just not. And then you're going to be spiraling down at that point. You're the nine, ten, eleven seed, right? And yeah. that's going to be really hard for a committee to justify putting in an 11 or 10 seed in the Big Ten when you're looking at other major conferences that you're possibly leaving out a five, a four. Yeah. No, um, I agree. So, I again, huge games all over this weekend. Um, and before we get to – hey, we're still – Shakira's not going anywhere, folks. Okay, she's not going anywhere. But before we do our picks, 
we do want to lay out who our top 16 will be. Um, so the, the way we're going to do this is we're just going to go like the four number ones, the four number twos, the four number threes, and the four number fours. Um, so your top overall number one team. And, and again, what we feel might not be what the committee feels. It probably won't be if we're being honest about it. Right. Um. So, but Christian... Or, or do you want me to give my number one team first? Uh, mine's going to be a bummer. It's going to be boring. Um, but mine's going to be Houston. Um, I think Alabama's loss at Tennessee hurts. Um, Purdue losing at Maryland hurts. So really, there, to me, there's only one clear-cut answer for that number one overall seed as we sit here today, and that is the Houston Cougars. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, again, do I think that they'll necessarily be there um, by the end Maybe. of the year? No, um, because I do think that if you have Purdue or Alabama wins either the Big Ten or the SEC, um, then I think you give them the nod. Uh, but I hey, listen, just by nature of things, um, I think you got to put Houston there. Um, my second overall number one uh, is going to be Alabama. Um, I, I get that they lost on the road at Tennessee. That's a tough place to play, period. It's tough. I think you look whole body of work for Alabama. It's still very impressive. Um, they're 22-4, and four, two, one loss in conference. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and put Alabama in as my number two, number one seed. Yeah, I'm going Alabama as well. Uh, I don't. I don't think that that loss against Tennessee is enough to knock them off the one line. Um, I think it was enough to knock them off the number one overall seed line, but I think they're still a number one, uh, number one seed. As we said, all right, who is your number three, number one? Um, My number three, number one is UCLA. Um, I think right now UCLA has the better resume of any of the remaining teams. But that is subject to change depending on the outcome of the Kansas-Baylor game. Kansas beats Baylor. I think Kansas is your number three, number one seed. But to me right now, there's just nothing that can, you know, take it away from UCLA. Granted, they do have losses to Arizona, a bad loss to UCLA, um, but you know, really, if you look at UCLA's wins, there's no real quality win for them, but the problem is, is they just keep winning as of late. Um, yeah. so for me, it's UCLA. Yeah. And see, this is where I'm going to differ from you a little bit, because I think that the committee is going to be like, okay, we, your overall body of work. All right. But the overall body of work for UCLA is not that impressive. That to me, it's just it's not impressive. Like you look, okay, non-conference lost to Illinois, lost to Baylor, probably their best wins than Maryland and Kentucky. Um, and I think that this is the question of how much will the perception of a very weak conference come back 
to hurt UCLA. And to me, if you're going to give me UCLA, Kansas, Purdue, those are the three other teams that I think are jockeying right now. Yes, the Purdue loss tonight is going to hurt them. However, I think when you look at Purdue's body of work, to me, plus playing in a much harder conference, I feel as though that's going to give Purdue the edge. Purdue is my number three, number one. I hope it is. I really think that Purdue's body of work, you know, in November, you're, you're talking about beating Gonzaga, beating Duke, beating West Virginia, beating Marquette. That Marquette win is looking better and better as of late. Um, they just, you know, now they're a top 10 team in the country. So I hope that Purdue is on that one seed line. I have them as my fourth number one overall seed. And my thing about these Purdue losses is – you put any team who's got to play three out of four on the road at IU, at Northwestern, at Maryland. I'm going to say probably 70% of the teams in the country, if not 80% of the teams in the country, lose all three of those. Maybe yeah. even 90%, lose all three of those. Um, yeah. And so I, and really tonight was the only game where they really, after that 10 minute mark of the second half, night night, just like bad. just yeah, they they was just done. Um, so that brings me to my last number one. Um, and right now, rock chalk. I just I there's something about how much the I believe the committee is going to value the Big 12 being the best conference in all right. of America. Um, so I think Kansas is going to be my fourth number one. Uh, yeah, moving, I, 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 Josh, I really agree with you there. I, I, I like that idea. Uh, I think it's really going to come down to what the committee values, and it's, it's always. I feel like every year you just never know. All right, uh, who's your number two? My no, number one overall. Number two seed, this is going to be confusing if I say it like that, but it's Kansas. Uh, I think that you're going to see uh, three Big 12 teams in this two seed line as we sit today. Uh, if we don't see one in the number one seed line, but I have Kansas as the first two. For me, where this gets difficult then is okay. I the logical answer for me here is UCLA. But what makes that so hard is they're just absolute horrible conference that they're playing in. Um, again, how much will that actually weigh on the committee? I don't know. Uh, so for my number one uh, two seed, I'm going to take UCLA. Um, for my second two seed, I'm going Baylor right now. Um, I think that that loss at Tech Monday night is going to absolutely haunt Texas um, with these first rankings that come out. Uh, my second number two seed is Virginia out of the ACC. 
Uh, I think that they're by far the best team in that conference. I don't. I know as we talked about prior to right now, Pitt is, but right now Virginia is the best team in that conference. So I'm going Virginia, and then I would then follow up with Texas. So that's I got Kansas, then Virginia, and then Texas, and you had Kansas, then Baylor, and now what are you going to do? So this is what's tough for me because going into this, um, so my seven seed was Texas. Uh-huh. I think I stick. Um, I just I don't know how much Monday is going to affect the committee because that's a bad loss, man. That that's a really really bad loss. Um, who is your final number two? My final number two seed as we sit right now, would be Texas. So hold on. I must have made a mistake here. So your twos are Kansas, UVA, Baylor, then Texas? Oh, no. Sorry. It's Kansas, UVA, Texas, then Baylor. Okay. All right. Sorry. My fault. My fault. All, all, all good. Um, for me, so th- this is where, again – my question is, how much does the committee really hate the Pac-12? Because a logical slide in here for me would be Arizona. Right. But with the Pac-12 being so weak, I, but again, to me, I'm going to go Arizona there on my last two line. Yeah, and that then moves right into my top three line as Arizona leading the pack. Um, I think that they that is what hurts them, is playing in that week conference. Uh, but I, I think this is a, a, a dark horse team that can win the national championship. Uh, but I'm, I'm rolling with Arizona. Uh, so my what would be the nine overall seed for me uh, is going to be Virginia. Um. I think the ACC is very down this year. Um, and I think the committee might send a message there. Um, my next number three line, uh, man, another team out of the Pac-12, K-State. Right. Dude, dudes are playing ball. I mean, they yeah. just are. I think you're you're, you're forgetting about a, a, a certain team that resides in your conference, Josh, which is my second overall number three seed is Tennessee. Uh, the win that they had against Alabama, I feel like is going to bode well for them. I think, honestly, Josh, you could see Tennessee sneak up on that two line. Um, we got to pay attention to that. I think that win against Alabama helps their resume extraordinarily um but for now i'm gonna put them on the three line my next three is marquette um out of the big east so i'm gonna take marquette there as my 11 overall 
And then um, I'm rolling with K-State then for my set third number three, rolling right into then Marquette as my final number three. I think uh, Marquette got that big win and, you know, huge game coming up for them at Creighton. Um, so if they're able to win that game, I think that could help bode well for their seed line as well. Very interesting. Yeah, I'll put Tennessee on the three line right now. Um, I, Josh, I'm telling you, I see a world where Tennessee could be on that two line on Saturday morning. I just I, I think there's a world where like it could be on the bottom end of that two line, top end of the three line. I think that honestly that I may have underestimated Tennessee. But okay, so here I'm I'm gonna show you this skate, and I don't know how well the screen's gonna show on the camera. Okay, so count the teams. There's there was the top 16 that I made out this morning. What what seed yep. did I have Tennessee at? The top two. I have them as fifth overall. Right. Which is the top number two seed. Right. I that and the reason that I've dropped them so far, really like honestly, man, has nothing to do with Tennessee. And it has everything to do with the SEC. Like I just don't think that the committee is gonna value the SEC because yeah. you look at Tennessee. Like they're, I think right now they're the three seed in the SEC with losses to Florida, Vanderbilt, and Kentucky. To me, right there, those three losses do not signal under one or a number two seed. So you have losses to Florida, Vandy, Missouri, Kentucky, and Colorado. Those are five not great losses. Right. Sure, you have wins over Texas, wins over Alabama, uh, Maryland, Kansas. Great. But you have just as many kind of bad losses as you do really good wins. And when I look at who Tennessee has lost to and the fact that they've lost three out of their last five, same reason why I was borderline taking Purdue off that one line. Right. Because I, how much of it is how are you playing right now? And that's what yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, could I see a world where they're like, well, hey, look at all these wins. Yeah, I could see it, man. I could. But yeah. I can also see a world where they're like, ah, you know what? Honestly, when we look at your body of work, it's not that impressive. Yeah, and honestly, Josh, I'm I'm looking at mine, and I was going one team I was going back and forth with was uh, K State with their last two losses being against Texas Tech and then losing to Oklahoma. I see a world where K State falls out of the top sixteen. Um, oh, it it's not, entirely possible. It, uh, and having them, I had them on the three line, but I'm I'm very much so worried uh, about the Kansas State Wildcats. But 
Moving on to the four seeds, the last four, the last four in to the top sixteen. Uh, my the one I'm going to put starting at the top of the four line is Gonzaga. Um, I I feel like it's just ho hum. Here comes Gonzaga, um, but I, that's what I'm rolling with. I like Gonzaga. I like the way um, you know you got Drew Timmy still there. You got to put him into the top sixteen. Yeah, my 13 overall is going to be IU. Um, I know, I know, and it pains me too, man. But, dude, how that team – they're playing ball right now, dude. I I they like Trace Jackson it. Davis, and I get they just lost to Northwestern. Fine, whatever. Um, But before that – they had rattled off one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight out of their last nine. Um, they're playing consistent basketball. Um, and I just I listen, man, I don't want to play them in March no, on a neutral court. I don't want to play them. Nope, I agree. That's why my next team is IU. Um, my number 14 overall is IU. Uh, I don't think that that loss against Northwestern is really going to hurt them in any way, shape, or form. Um, you know, losing on the road in the Big Ten, it's it's it kind of hap- it happens. Uh, but I agree with you. You know, I use tough right now. They're playing their best basketball as of late. Uh, if you're Purdue, you're a little worried about that because you have not been playing your best basketball as of late. Uh, and you got to of get right game against Ohio state on Sunday, if you're Purdue, and then you've got an opportunity to play IU at Mackey for a rematch. That might be the biggest game played in the big 10 this season thus far. Um, <clears throat> depending on what happens with Northwestern and Iowa on Sunday as well. I'm going to say this, that's a must win game for Purdue. Period. Oh, there's no doubt. No doubt. Period. Absolutely. Um, but I, I like uh, IU here as the 14 overall seed and on that second team on that four line. How crazy we want to get here. You do you, boo-boo. I, because here's – and again, I have no clue what people are looking for this year. Like, that that's the biggest question mark for me is, okay – what are you actually looking for? Um, because up until Tuesday, there was no hotter team in America than the Creighton Blue Jays. Not a single one. They lost a tough one on the road to Providence. Creighton currently sits at 11 and four in the Big East. To me, that's just not good enough. Right. Um, so that's why I'm going to go ahead and throw in Gonzaga there. Now, here's the thing. I think St. Mary's hurt themselves a little bit tonight. They only beat San Diego by three. Um, if you saw St. Mary's just come out and really dominate, San Diego tonight, I think you could have seen St. Mary's maybe even creep up into this conversation. Um, But I'm going to go ahead and put Gonzaga in as my 14 overall seed for this year's tournament. 
Um, I'm just going to go ahead and give you my last two. Okay. okay. Um, I think the next one is Xavier just because of the fact that they play in the Big East. To, again, we talked about that Big East conference being one of the top conferences in college basketball this year. Um, I like Xavier. And then after that, I'm going with Miami. Uh, I think, again, you put Miami up against St. Mary's. The conferences they play in the body, overall body of work, uh, I feel like Miami has more opportunities for those quad one victories as opposed to St. Mary's, who the only time really they have an opportunity for that is when they play Gonzaga. Um, so to me, the two last two teams it's going to come down to is not even included with St. Mary's. It's going to be Xavier and it's going to be Creighton. Um, and so, you know, there's an, even a chance that Iowa State could be in the conversation just because of the body of work that they have in the conference that they play in. Um, but those are the, my top 16. I'm rounding it out with Xavier and Miami. Yeah, my 15 overall, I'm going to go with ISU. Um, I mean, Iowa State's one game back in the Big 12. They're one game back in the Big 12. And that's after losing four out of the last six. Um, right. So I – so I'm going to give a little edge there to Iowa State. And then my last – you know, I kind of like to have some fun, Christian. So uh, I'm going to put Kentucky as my no, – no, I'm kidding. Um, I, I'm going to go ahead and put St. Mary's in there for me. Um, will they put two West Coast Conference teams in? I don't think so. But I could see a world where, okay – is really a win in the ACC. I Because that, that's the thing, man. Outside of those top three or four teams in the ACC, like is a win at Florida State really any tougher than a win at San Diego? Yeah. Like, that's just like an honest question for me. So, but again, we'll find out. Yes, I, I think that's that's the best part um, of what's coming on Saturday. So again, like we'll have a lot more answers. Um, and boy, next week, next week I might the biggest week in college basketball uh, period so far this year. So from us here at LR Weekly, enjoy the hoops, y'all. <laughs>